I got my degree in biology, but then as soon as I graduated, by some insane miracle, I got into art school and I became an art director in advertising. And that was supposed to be like the, oh, you know, like I did it. I overcame all the stuff from my parents and everything. And I'm finally in this creative job. I can actually make money. They were wrong. I'm proving them wrong. I'm succeeding. And I was so miserable. I was so burned out, stressed out. I remember driving home at one, two in the morning and wishing I could just get in a car accident so that I could not have to go to work the next day. Like not enough to die, but just enough so I can miss work for a couple of days. And that's really when I realized there is something really wrong with the situation and I have to do something about it. And I really think the first step to honoring your creative voice is just do what you like and listen to that little voice. Cause there was this little voice in me that was like, just get a camera, take pictures of the dogs you just adopted, have fun. So I got a camera, I put an ad up on Craigslist and I said, hey, I'm an art director and I just got a camera and I wanna help you get your dogs adopted. So let me help you take pictures, I'll do it for free. Welcome to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. I'm your host, Kenna Klosterman, bringing you true stories from behind the lens and behind the lives of your favorite photographers, filmmakers, and creative industry game changers. From their struggles to their wins, we get the real human stories about why they do what they do. I believe there is something to learn from everyone's story. Listen, get inspired, and discover why in the end, your creative journey is all worth it. Grace Chan is a commercial and editorial animal photographer, acclaimed for her highly expressive portraits of animals and authentic photos of people and their pets. Her clients include ad agencies, pet brands, magazines, publishing companies, celebrities, and TV shows. Grace is the author of two dog photography books, one called Waggish, Dog Smiling for Dog Reasons, and Puppy Styled, Japanese dog grooming before and after. In this episode, Grace shares the secret to being an amazing animal photographer. We talk about the making of her book, Puppy Styled, after a series of images went viral. Grace explains her mission for her amazing podcast, Creativity School, and why people thought she was crazy, including herself, when she left the advertising world as an award-winning creative director to be a pet photographer. Grace takes us on her journey learning to see fear as an opportunity for growth. She explains how she built a name for herself as an L.A. celebrity pet photographer. And she gives us a sneak peek of her new portrait series exploring the healing power of dogs. This is We Are Photographers with Grace Sean, and this is her story. Grace, John, it is awesome to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I am so excited to talk to you today, Kenna. Thank you so much for having me on. You bet. So you are the first professional animal pet photographer that I've had on the podcast. So I'm super excited to just dive in and start talking about that. And your images, your books... Um, like I just right now I'm thinking of them and they make me smile. Oh, that's the best feedback. (laughs) So I want to start with talking about your book, Puppy Styled. How did this project come about and what is it? 
So Puppy Styled is a book that came out last October, and it's the photo book, and it's before and after pictures of dogs styled with Japanese-style dog grooming. And how did this come about? It's kind of a long story. I am a commercial and editorial animal photographer, so that means I shoot images for ad agencies and brands. And um, you know, I'm sure this is something you hear all the time and talk about all the time, but I think personal projects are really important. And it started out as a series that I just did as a personal project, and this stars aligned. My friend Andrew and Mark, they own a series of amazing dog boutiques and, and grooming salons here in Los Angeles called Healthy Spot. And so I had this idea for doing a before and after dog grooming series. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do haircuts, I want them to be really unique haircuts. And I had known about Japanese style dog grooming. And that style is very unique because you're not cutting the dogs to breed standard. You are looking at the dog and giving them a haircut that is completely unique to them and highlights their best, cutest attributes. And so I thought, if I'm going to do a series, it's got to be with that. And I reached out to my friend Andrew and I was like, do you know anybody in L.A. that does this style of grooming? Because at the time, this was like in 2015, 2016, it wasn't that common. And he goes, well, as a matter of fact, we just had a master stylist from Tokyo here in town grooming all our groomers in that style. So we'll do this with you. And it was like the stars aligned. So it was just a personal thing. We did nine dogs in the series. So it was 18 images because it's before and after. And it went insanely crazy bonkers viral. Um, and then so from there, it got developed into a book. And we spent three months photographing images for the book and that's puppy styled. But I would say it was challenging because these dogs are not models. So when I'm on set shooting for like Purino or Fancy Feast, these are trained animal talent. They're like robots. They know their marks. They know the behaviors they're supposed to do. They've been on set before. They've been in front of strobes before. So they're familiar with like the chaos that comes with being on set. These dogs that we use for puppy styles, these are just regular pets that they go to a healthy spot to get groomed. And some of them are used to being groomed um, in sort of more intense environments because they'd compete a lot in grooming competitions. But for the most part, they were all just like pet dogs. And so they're coming on set, like what is going on here? Um, and so a little secret about that book is that a lot of the pictures are composited. It's not just one clean shot because they're not models, right? So it's like sometimes there's a hand holding the dog in place or, you know, their, their body language is a little funny. And so like the ears might be good in one shot, but like they're hunched over in another shot. So a lot of the pictures are just Frankenstein together. It's kind of like photographing newborns. Yeah, exactly. And it's hard to get it all in just one, one frame. And safety first as well. Safety first. Absolutely. That's a really important thing about animal photography. It doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, what you're shooting. Um, the comfort of the animal comes first because it shows if they're uncomfortable and they're bewildered, it shows in the pictures and then it won't make you smile and laugh like the way it makes you do, Kenna. <laughs> Over the decade that you've been doing this type of photography, is there something that you've realized about your own energy do you have to be a dog or cat whisperer to to do this type of work? Or what, what have you learned about yourself? I really love that you asked this question because I think most people jump to, what camera and lenses do you use, Grace? Like, what, what lens made that shot look that way? And the biggest secret to being an amazing animal photographer, and I think this is the case for any portrait photographer, is it is your presence. Is the way you are being and the energy you bring on set in front 
of this creature or person that is allowing them to be so comfortable that they can just put down all the walls and be completely vulnerable and themselves. And it's almost like as the photographer, I'm a mirror. So my energy and presence reflected on my subject allows them to reflect that back to me. And it's just like this really beautiful synergistic relationship that happens. I never make an animal do anything they don't want to do. So I'll try something once or twice. And if it doesn't work, like we move on, there's no point in stressing them out. And so it's really about being present, being extremely empathetic and meeting the animal at the level where they are. And I can't stress how important that is, especially as an animal photographer, because I think a lot of people overlook that and jump straight to the gear. And I think the most important tool you have is really yourself and the presence that you're bringing. So let's talk about the podcast. And again, I love that there are so many similarities. We have a very similar mission. Tell me about the Creativity School and why you started it. So Creativity School is a podcast I started in January. So not I noticed I think yours was like October, right? So it wasn't too long after you started yours. And it's all about empowering people to tap into their unique creative gifts and just share them with the world. And just off the bat, I think everyone listening to this understands creativity is not just art. I really think creativity is just our innate human expression and energy that wants to be birthed into the world. And for whatever reason, we judge ourselves or we label things and people say, I'm not creative. And I'm here to say, yes, you are. And if you have something in you that wants to come out and wants to be expressed, do it because it will make you sick holding it in. And so the show is really about talking to people about their own personal creative journeys, about where they started and how they got to where they are. And unlike you, it's not just focused on one creative medium. So it's not just photography. I think most people expected me to start a show about either photography or dogs, but I'm really fascinated in the inner journeys that we take to get to the point where we can actually make excellent work. So I say we have to do our best work on the inside to be able to put our best work on the outside. I did not realize what a connection there was to that whole thing when I started my own photography business back in 2008. And it was you know, going through that experience of building my business and overcoming so many of my own inner demons to be able to keep rising successfully to the next level. Um, that's just so important. If I hadn't been able to do that, I would have given up and walked away. I think that's the easier thing to do. And so this show really is about, um, challenging people and encouraging people to be their best on the insides and have them the courage to put their best work out on the outsides. I, I want to, talk further about this connection with working on ourselves in order to then be able to create. Can you tell me about a time where you realized again that you weren't expressing your creative self? Oh, gosh, there's so many. Where do I start, Kenna? Uh, I honestly feel like my entire life has been an evolution of um, really trying to break out of a mold I've been put in or find myself in and then having the courage to push through and express myself creatively. And I say being a photographer is like actually my third career because uh, I have my undergraduate degree in biology. I was supposed to be a doctor or a vet. 
My parents are Korean immigrants. They came here in 1970 with nothing but $500 in cash and two suitcases because that was all the government allowed people to take out with them at the time. And so there was a strong emphasis on academics and doing really well so that you can get a professional job. And a professional job is very limited. It's doctor, lawyer, engineer, like very white collar, prestigious jobs. Um, being creative, just not even an option. And so as a child, I was always very creative, but I was told you can never make money being creative, which I think is a huge thing that we are all taught. It doesn't matter if you come from an immigrant family or not. It's like creativity and art is just, is not valued. And the other thing is we're told we can't make money and it's just not valued at the same time. Like it's pointless. Like there's no point in spending the energy and time to do it unless you make money. And then why even try it? Cause you can't make money. So um, I got my degree in biology, but then as soon as I graduated by some insane miracle, I got into art school and I became an art director in advertising. And that was supposed to be like the, oh, you know, like I did it. I overcame all the stuff from my parents and everything. And I'm finally in this creative job. I can actually make money. They were wrong. I'm proving them wrong. I'm succeeding. And I was so miserable. Like, the ad industry is brutal. And I was so burned out, stressed out. I remember driving home at one, two in the morning and wishing I could just get in a car accident so that I could not have to go to work the next day. Like not enough to die, but just enough so I can miss work for a couple of days. And that's really when I realized there is something really wrong with the situation and I have to do something about it. And I really think the first step to honoring your creative voice is just do what you like and listen to that little voice. Cause there was this little voice in me that was like, just get a camera, take pictures of the dogs you just adopted, have fun. So I got a camera. I put an ad up on Craigslist and I said, Hey, I'm an art director and I just got a camera and I want to help you get your dogs adopted. So let me help you take pictures. I'll do it for free. Uh, and I started doing that and adoptions went up and from there it evolved into a side hustle pet photography business until I quit my day job uh, to become a full-time pet photographer. And people thought I was crazy because this was also during the um, Great Recession in 2008. But here we are, 2019, and I'm talking to you about my career. <laughs> it's an incredible story and, and it one, like I said earlier, that so many people can relate to. Yeah. And I think that it, what is relatable about that story is the feeling of feeling so stuck that you can't do anything about it. And I think that sometimes we think we have to take these grand leaps to do something about it. And it's really not like, I didn't even buy like the best camera out on the market. I bought like a prosumer, like $300 Canon rebel, you know? And that's why I really think it's, um, being tuned in enough and brave enough to just like make that first tiny, tiny little step. You went from getting that camera to leaving your job as an art director in how much time? It was like nine months. Yeah, and it was about really nine months. That's really short. Yeah. What was the moment <laughs> where you, like, what did it feel like when you went in and told your boss that you were leaving? I felt like I was a crazy person. <laughs> like, I felt like, wow. Um, you know, people were saying 50% of the ad industry had lost their jobs at that point. 
And my partner and I had just released a series of commercials that went viral, which I don't even think going viral was a term in 2008. And these seri- these commercials did so well. And they gave us raises. And I'm going into my boss's office like not too long after that. And I'm like, I'm quitting to become a pet photographer. And I honestly felt crazy. And I think a lot of my coworkers thought I was crazy. One guy came up to me like maybe a year later and was like, Grace, when you did that, I really thought you were crazy and I see what you've built in a year and it's just like really cool. But I'll be honest, I thought you were nuts. I felt nuts. I didn't feel like I was making a smart choice necessarily, but I felt like it was something I had to do. And I also felt like if all things fail, I can always go back. Was there a moment where you thought all things were failing? I think this is the struggle. I think that just because you're good at something doesn't mean you should be doing it. And there's always an internal struggle that happens when you're in that position because I was good in advertising, you know, and I was winning awards. I was doing all the things that I was supposed to be doing. I was getting paid great money. And here I am now trying to be a pet photographer. And there was always this lure, you know, like, why don't you just go back? Just go back. You, why are you doing this? Um, I think you have to at some point like fully commit to the thing that you feel like you have to do. And that I think was my biggest hurdle, knowing that it would be so easy to go back and just make tons of money again and being fully committed to this idea that felt crazy, even though I knew deep down it was really right. You said earlier that you would listen to that little voice inside of you. And I like to think about not just listening to like the voice in our head, but then it's also like listening to our bodies, you know, learning again that it's not just our heads that that can give us insights into the directions that we want to take in life. So are you have you found that to be the case as well? I'm nodding along as you're talking like, yes, because it's not your head voice you need to listen to. The voice in your head, your mind, your ego, that's the one that wants to keep you small, safe and comfortable, you know, and it's it's the feeling that I feel in my gut, like you said, and in my heart. It's that feeling of this feels so good. This feels so right. It's that knowledge that comes in before then that voice in your head starts saying, no, that's crazy. Don't do it. Um, that's what I tried to listen to. And it is a feeling. And I, I think creativity as is, at its essence is it's a feeling of desire and you just have to follow that feeling. I say it all the time on the podcast, follow the feeling. Um, it really cannot lead you astray. And it's when you start only listening to that primitive voice in your head that wants to keep you safe and small, that things kind of like don't really flow the way they're meant to. Why do you think we don't give ourselves that permission to express our creativity, to go forward with your feelings? I think fear, I think our own internal fear. And I think the fear that is projected on us from everyone around us, from our parents, from society, from well-meaning friends, from people who don't understand your big ideas. Um, It's so important to be so strong and in tune with yourself and your own desires because it's so easy to get swayed by everything else people are saying to you in the outside world. I think really connecting to who you are and what you want and what your desires are is really, really important on this journey because that is what is going to be the thing that grounds you when 
I don't know if I'm allowed to curse, but like when crap hits the fan, you know, cause crap will hit the fan and you're going to need something that's going to keep you grounded and keep going when things get really hard because things are going to get really hard. And I think that that fear starts kicking in when things don't go the way we want it to. But I think it's so interesting. This whole journey has just taught me so much about what I believe and how I think the world works and the whole universe works. Because I really think that even though on that journey, when our fear kicks in and things get really hard, I think for, for a lot of people, they think like, oh, this is a sign. This is the end. And for me, it's more like, what is this trying to teach me? How can I grow and evolve and learn from this moment? And what can I take with me as I keep moving forward? And it's a practice. Definitely. You know, it, it like actually having this way of thinking and moving through the world as we go on these journeys, it, it's a practice and it's an awareness. It's catching yourself when you're in that moment in the first place and then, you know, telling yourself it's going to be okay. Like I am moving in the right direction. This is just a little bump in the road and there is a lesson in this. And it's just a practice because listen, I've been doing this for a long time now and I didn't start out this way. Let's go back to your career as a photographer, because you've become the go-to celebrity pet photographer in Hollywood, because you live in LA, like I said. How did that come about? Because that just sounds like a ton of fun. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. It started a long time ago. And this is this is something that I fully believe is like, just be scrappy and use the resources you have look around you and see where are there opportunity opportunities where I can sort of like get in there. And so, um, the celebrity thing happened in a lot of different ways. You know, I will actively at the time I would actively pitch publicists and introduce myself. Um, there are a lot of gifting lounges happening in LA around Emmys, Golden Globes, Oscar season. So I would somehow get myself involved in these things or get my work into the gift bags that they have. Um, there's a lot of gala charity fundraiser type events here for big nonprofits, um, for animal nonprofits. So I would get my work into silent auctions for that kind of stuff. So I was hustling all the time just to get my work out there. And I think that, you know, to build a name for yourself, you have to do that. I I hate the word hustle. It's actually my least favorite word. (laughs) Um, but you have to plant the seeds and then kind of sit back and wait. You can't just sit back and wait without planting seeds. You know what I mean? So I don't believe in hustling all the time. I think we're going to kill ourselves if we do that, but you have to do the work to actively plant those seeds and then sit back and wait for the fruits of your labor. So, that's honestly how the celebrity thing started. Once you get a couple and then people start calling you a celebrity pet photographer, then magazines start coming or, you know, ad agencies say, hey, we're shooting this ad and we want someone that's worked with slubs before. And it just the ball sort of just keeps rolling. What did it feel like the first time then that you were working with an ad agency? You used to be the art director and now you're the photographer. You're creating the thing. Yeah, I will never forget the first time I stepped on set as a photographer and not an art director. And gosh, I just got like thrown. What's that saying where you just get like thrown to the wolves? Like it it just was the biggest job imaginable. And that was my first job. It was like a three day job for Purina. And I remember the night before I was so nervous. I wanted to throw up because I felt so much pressure Like if you're doing a shoot with the private client and you mess up, you can tell a lie. You can be like, oh, my cards got messed up or like something happened when I was transferring the files. Can we redo it again? You can redo it. And with the shoot like that, you can't. So it was really, really, really stressful. 
But once I got on set, I was just like, wow, you know, all the training I've had as an art director being on set helps me so much here. And I know what it feels like to be the art director on set who just wants to make the client happy. So now I'm in this position where I'm like, I know exactly what the art director is going through. I know what to say to the client to make them feel better. I know how to operate on set so that everyone feels good. So um, it's interesting that this thing that I was so afraid of ended up being like this thing that I knew exactly what to do. So you mentioned before we started recording uh, something about a, a new project that you're working on, although we didn't talk about what it was. Is that something you can share with us? Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, I haven't publicized this or even like teased it at all. Um, so it's very much still in the developmental phases, but it's a portrait series um, exploring the healing power of dogs because I really believe that they're here to heal us and they're here to love us. But what does that love do at the very end of the day? They're here to heal. Like we are all so broken in our own ways and the, the powerful love of a dog, like they're here to mend our little itty bitty broken hearts. And so this series is really exploring the power of that. And um, it's also like got a wellness aspect to it because really what I want people to do is pause in the chaos of social media, of the world, of everything happening on a global scale and just connect with this incredible, beautiful being here that just wants to love you and heal you. And it's a moment for us to pause, connect and feel their incredible, beautiful energy. So I'm really excited about it. <laughs> I'm so excited about that. What a beautiful thing. Is this, what is your vision? Is it going to be a personal project? Is it working with organizations? Is there sort of like a bigger social uh, aspect to it? I, you know, honestly, at the end of the day, if I think about how do I want this work to live, um, and this is very similar to, you know, puppy styled where I just made the work and then where it ended up, it happened how it was meant to happen. Um, and so I envision a very similar thing with this series. I'm calling it healer, but I would be stoked if it became like an art gallery or like an experience. I want it to be an experiential thing where people can go into a space and interact with the work and be set up in a space where the room you're in allows you to really digest and feel the work. So I think, I think it'll still be impactful if say you're just like scrolling on Instagram or Facebook and you see it and you're like, Oh, let me look at this dog, which I would be so happy if people did that. But I think to actually be able to walk into a space and experience the series, I think would be really cool. Okay, so I just had a flash of putting on VR glasses and entering into this experience that is a healer. I know. That's a great idea. So if it goes that way, I will totally give props to you, Kenna. Um, but yeah, I think anything that allows us to intentionally take in the work, I think that's what I really envision for the series at some point. Is it going to be with then uh, humans and dogs or just the dogs themselves? It's just the dogs. And what I really like about this work is I feel like I'm kind of having like my Jim Carrey moment. <laughs> like I'm getting serious. You know, you started this interview off at the top saying, when I think about your work, it makes me laugh. And I don't want people to laugh with this work. I want people to feel the work and connect with the work. So even the expression, when you're starting a series, you have no idea. You know, when I started going into people's homes and doing this, I'm like playing around with different expressions, playing around with different apertures, like trying to feel like, feel out what is the best way to present this big idea I have that I don't know what it's going to be like. And just even in doing that, it helped me to refine what kind of expression I'm looking for on 
the dog's face. And what I quickly realized is that when they're smiling and they have like an open mouth, it's almost like too obvious. Like I'm telling people what to feel when dogs are smiling in the picture. I want it to be almost stoic and you can take away from that experience what you want from this particular dog and their particular energy. But it's so different, but the same from the stuff I've done before. Cause it's very similar to puppy styled in the sense that these are some very evocative portraits of dogs, but without the gimmick of the haircut and the crazy studio lighting and the colorful backgrounds, they're black and white. It's intentionally very stark and they intentionally are focusing on the subtlety of the animal's expression, which I think is actually what's really hard to do. It's easy to get a photo of a dog smiling, it's much harder to get a dog looking so relaxed and subtle. And that's what really I'm trying to achieve. It's a lot harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> that sounds amazing. And when do you expect that to come out? I don't know. To be honest, honestly, the easiest way to do this series would be to run out of studio and have like 30 dogs come in in one day and bang them out. But that is not how you get that subtle relaxed look I'm going for. So I've been going to people's homes individually. And so, um, honestly, I don't know. I'm sort of just, I'm creating this series in a way that's very different than I normally create work. I think, you know, as creatives, like we have an idea and then you fire all four cylinders and you're just off to the races. And with this, I'm creating in a very different way, which I've never done this before. And I think it would have made me very uncomfortable in the past, but now I'm letting it sort of, um, flow in its own time. I don't have a deadline for it. And when it happens, it'll happen. The word that it made me think of as you were explaining this process being different is actually your name, Grace. Oh, yeah. What yes. does the word Grace mean to you, seeing as it's your name, but also that you have been on this path of learning to have more grace for yourself? That's such a beautiful question, Kenna. You know, that's, and it's such an interesting question because the reason why this work is also going so slow right now is because it's the season of life that I'm in. You know, I have a son. He just started first grade. I have this podcast. I work. You know, this project is just another thing I'm piling on top. And I think had it been an older me, I would not have given myself the grace to give myself the space to create this in the time that my life now allows. I think I probably would have felt resentful that I can't make this happen faster than I would like. And I would have wanted to go much faster and not be able to, which would make me feel struggle and feel really bad about myself. And I think I've learned that being slow is okay. I think we live in this world where it's like the faster you go, the more successful you are. And I don't want to believe that's the only way anymore. I want to believe there's another way to create and live and operate in this world. And I think that in that slowness that we give ourselves, a lot of amazing things can happen if we don't judge that time as being really crappy. Because as creators, Listen, when I was slow, I would feel the worst about myself. Like people don't want to hire me anymore. My career is over. Oh my God, what am I doing wrong? Do I need to shoot a different way? And I don't look at that time that way anymore. And so because I realize I'm in a season of my life where I have to go slower with the things I'm making, I am giving myself the grace to do that with this series. And it feels really good. I don't feel bad about not being able to get this out as quickly as I would like. Um, we should all really give ourselves more grace when we create. 
Where can people follow you, see your work, whether it makes them smile, laugh, uh, think about themselves and their own lives? Where can people stay in touch with everything that you're doing, Grace? The easiest way is probably Instagram. I'm there at the Grace Chan. Uh, my podcast is Creativity School Podcast. You can find that on all platforms. And I love DMs and I love connecting with people. So if you're listening and you want to connect, please reach out anytime. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Thank you, Kenna. I'm Kenna Klosterman, and you've been listening to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live, edited by Laura Finnerty. Follow all things Grace Chan on at the Grace Chan on Instagram and subscribe to her podcast, Creativity School. At Creative Live, we believe there's a creator and a photographer in all of us. And yes, that means you. If you're looking to get fresh perspectives, inspiration, or skills to boost your hobbies, business, or life, head over to creativelive.com and check out the Creator Pass, our subscription that gives you access to over 1,500 classes taught by the world's top creators and entrepreneurs. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, etc. You can stay up to date with everything happening at Creative Live by following us on social media at Creative Live everywhere. And for each episode, I post shareable images and quotes on social media. Find those posts and IG story highlights on Instagram at Photo, and share your favorite quotes with your friends. So thank you again to Grace Chan, and I'll see you all next week for another episode of We Are Photographers.